International Stem Cell Corporation trades under the symbol ISCO.OB on the over-the-counter bulletin board and is based in Carlsbad, California, where I have the pleasure of interviewing Executive Chairman Kenneth Aldrich. International Stem Cell has developed a process to derive stem cells similar to embryonic stem cells without the need for fertilized embryos and with minimal exposure to non-human cells. These factors provide ISCO a unique leadership role in the field of regenerative cell therapy. Additionally, Lifeline Cell Technology, a wholly owned subsidiary of International Stem Cell Corporation, develops, manufactures, and markets high-quality human primary cells, stem cells, media, and reagents for sale to pharmaceutical, academic, and government scientists. The company's management pioneered the development of the normal human cell culture market through the creation of Clonetics Corporation in the 1980s and has over 20 years combined experience in research, development, manufacturing, quality control, marketing, and sales of human and cell culture products. Lifeline's products are distributed in the United States and Europe. Ken Aldrich, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Tell our listening audience about International Stem Cell Corporation. International Stem Cell Corporation is central in the area of stem cell medicine, or regenerative medicine as it's known, and is unique, I think, among all of the companies in the stem cell regenerative medicine area in that it combines several different components, one of which is we are alone in the world in owning our own platform for creating the most important kind of stem cell, a stem cell called a pluripotent stem cell, which basically just means that it can become anything in the body that's necessary because you never implant a stem cell itself. You implant cells, liver cells, heart cells that are derived from a stem cell. So we own the platform for creating any of those we want. We don't have to license it from anybody. So that gives us a head start. The second thing is that the kind of stem cells we use give us an additional advantage in that we can take cells from a single donor and match those in many cases to 40 or 50 million people worldwide. What that means is that given time, we'll have a relatively small number of stem cells that will be able to match for immune purposes vast segments of the world population. Again, it's a unique feature of our stem cells, which are called, by the way, parthenogenic stem cells. The third feature, the third leg of the stool for the company, if you will, is that we are among the very few stem cell therapeutic research companies that actually have an income producing component based on our stem cell work, based on our scientists, but nevertheless capable of generating independent income while we wait through the long process that it takes us or anyone else to get FDA approval or other external governmental approvals if we go outside the U.S. Tell us about your management team. Who comprises the company? Well, first of all, the best thing I can say about the management team is that, to use the old analogy, I think we have all the right seats on the bus filled with the right people, and I think we're in very, very good shape on management. I was one of the founders and have remained as chairman of the board, and I'm a very active chairman. Our CEO is one of our larger investors, a very well-known Russian scientist and businessman who is now living here in the United States with his entire family, Andrei Semeshkin. And Andrei is a member of the Russian Academy of Sciences and has just revitalized our science development program as well as instituting a lot of management techniques in our company itself that have been very, very helpful. Jeffrey Janus, who was a co-founder of mine, is running our Lifeline Cell Technology Division, which is the research and development part of the company. So he manages that primarily and then also works on mergers and acquisitions as we look at small companies and technologies that we might want to acquire. And Ruslan Semeshkin, who is actually Andre's son but would be an employee 
anyway if we could capture him, who is, uh, has both an MD and a PhD, has developed our skincare product and also developed some of our neuron product. We have a very broad team. We have a PhD by the name of Simon Craw, who's developing our stem cell bank so that hopefully when we have 40 or 50 stem cell lines, he will have developed those so that we can use them for any kind of transplant. When you think of stem cell bank, however, please don't think of one of those companies that is storing a patient's cord blood or storing their cells in the hope of using them at some future date. When we use stem cell bank, we think of it very much like a blood bank, creating a group of cells or a bank of cells, if you will, that can be used for any patient. So for example, if you have liver disease, your physician calls us and says, I need liver cells. I need them to have these HLA factors for my patient. At a point in the future, we should be able to supply those cells so that he can use them without immune rejection. That's what we mean as a stem cell bank. Think of it much more like a blood bank, but a little bit more complicated. So will you have those ready down the road before they have to be used? That's the intent. The intent is that we will have cells warehoused that we can use for patient treatment so that we can provide cells on relatively short notice when they're needed, as well as providing cells on demand for planned surgeries. Now, we're not there yet. Our first cell line matches about 40 or 50 million people. We can provide cells for any kind of therapy that might be needed. We can't necessarily match the whole world yet. So building the cell bank will be a function of time. Each year, we will be adding new stem cell lines as we get new donors whose immune system and whose immune matching system matches large population groups. Ultimately, we will have 40 or 50 cell lines taken from the right donors so that we can match most of the world's population without immune rejection or with immune rejection that is sufficiently minimal that it can be managed. That will be an enormous breakthrough when we finally get there. In the meantime, it's incremental. It doesn't mean that we can't treat someone with reduced immune rejection, but we might not be able to treat everyone today we could still treat them, but they might need to use some immunosuppressant drugs if they're not one of the groups that we've already developed cell lines for. So that's a work in process, and it will get better and better with each passing year. Summarize the skincare part of the business, Ken. The skincare part of our business is interesting because it comes from our parthenogenic stem cells in that we have developed the skincare from an extract, if you will, from a parthenogenic stem cell, which we have encapsulated through a biological microencapsulation process so that it has a stable shelf life but becomes active once the user puts it on his or her skin. It gives us a very potent product. It is directly derived from our basic research, so it's very synergistic with what we do in the rest of the business. As a result, we have a product that not only works very, very well, it's one that we can use our existing scientists, use our existing skills to help develop that product and new products that'll be developed from it. The history is a little bit interesting of the skin cell, however. It came out of a meeting that I had with investment analysts in New York back in 2008. It was the middle of the downturn in the market, and I was talking to investment bankers who probably were looking at their watches to see how soon they could get out of the meeting, but one of them was looking looking at some of the media that we use to grow cells for our research product. And she said, this says keratinocytes. That means it grows skin cells, right? And I said, yes. And she said, why can't I buy it in Macy's? And my mind went blank. And I said, well, I don't understand. And she said, well, all of the women in America and probably half the men would sell their firstborn for something that would improve and rejuvenate their skin. Why don't you have a retail product? That was the beginning. We turned out we couldn't use that media directly, but we went back to our core technology and developed the Lifeline Skincare product, which is now available on the internet and available through our website and available through selected physicians' offices. Tell us about your facilities here in San Diego. County and also on the East Coast. 
Well, we have facilities in San Diego, in Carlsbad, is our executive offices. We have research facilities in nearby Oceanside, and we there have four laboratories that are capable of producing what are called CGMP quality cells, which means that they are capable of going not only into the research clinic, but also into human treatments. And that requires specialized lab facilities and regulatory controls, which we've put in place. We also have a facility in Maryland, and in Maryland we produce the cells and the media that grows cells that are used for our research division. So we have about 50 employees spread roughly equally between Southern California and Maryland. Are you a possible takeout candidate? We're frequently asked whether or not the company is for sale or might be sold. I've had a lot of experience in the venture capital world over the last 20 years and in public companies and private ones, and I've learned never to say never, but we are definitely not on the market to be bought. We don't anticipate any suitors coming in and offering to buy us. At some point, any company, I suppose, can become a target for an offer or a takeover offer, and certainly if someone made an offer to us down the road somewhere, we would have an obligation to evaluate it on behalf of our shareholders, but we are definitely not seeking to be acquired at this point. We're too small. There's too big a future ahead of us. If someone wants to offer us a billion dollars, we'd have to look at it, but we're really not on the market. Well, that's good news. We'd rather look at other companies and see if we can buy them. Tell us about your background in the public arena with relation to medical technology. I started out as a lawyer, was a real estate developer for a while, and gradually began starting and funding small companies, and learned along the way that I had a great fascination with the whole medical world. I've started several medical companies, medical device companies, biotech companies, and this one I fell in love with because we had the real chance with parthenogenic stem cells, not only to cure one disease, but possibly to provide a platform that could quite literally change the face of medicine over the next decade and beyond. Give us a brief outline of the financial structure of ISCO. company's financial structure is basically fairly simple. We have common stock outstanding. We're a publicly traded company under the symbol ISCO.OB. We're a bulletin board company. We have about 75 million shares outstanding. Of those, about 65 million are held by the public shareholders, and there are another group of shares that are held by management teams. We have a stake in the company. All of us have money invested and we're very much a public company and very much answerable to our public shareholders. Thanks very much for joining me today on the Yellow Smart Report. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I've been speaking with Kenneth Aldrich, Executive Chairman of International Stem Cell Corporation from their corporate headquarters in Carlsbad, California. International Stem Cell Corporation trades on the OTC bulletin board under the symbol ISCO.OB. That's ISCO.OB with a recent share price of near 90 cents. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartinreport.com.